but certain opportunities are only here you know, once in a lifetime, and this is one of them, is to get in when it's still, I wouldn't say it's in its infancy anymore, but it's still really early, incredibly early. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't doubt if 15, 20 years from now, you know, we're not even going to know what life is like without blockchain and digital currencies. It's going to be so normal. That, you know, our kids are going to be like, you need to tell me you could have paper money? You know, you know what I mean? It's just not going to seem... Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate. And I'm Brian. All right. We got a new subject for you, this one a little out of the box this week, but something that we think a lot of you are going to find interesting. We're focusing on crypto investing, of all things. And you might say to yourself, what does that have to do with home services industry? And we're thinking, I don't know, but it just sounds Nothing. cool, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, um, I would say more for, I don't know, it's like, I think I got into in like 2017 investing in cryptocurrencies and you have big upswings, big downswings, and you can make a lot of money. You can lose every, well, you can lose a lot of money um, and either one just as easily, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I think if I had gone through these four years or whatever it was that I've been messing around with cryptocurrencies and just broke dead even, or even lost a little, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't give that experience away because it's been really cool just to, to be into something else to, to kind of have another hobby and to know what everybody's talking about when, when I hear, you know, people talking about investing in cryptocurrencies. Um, and I wish I'd been in it in 2015, 2014, and who knows where it's going to go from here. So we're in a, a bit of a down market right now. I wouldn't say we're in a bear market, but it but it does seem like everything's pulled back quite a bit um, from their all time highs just three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, and as we record this intro, um, this we're talking about what two weeks after we recorded the podcast. Yeah, uh, I believe it was about a month ago. Yeah, so we recorded the episode about a month ago. Um, it usually takes us, we're usually back a few weeks um, when we, from when we record an episode to when we release it. We just like to have a lot of them in the tank in case we go a couple weeks without recording one. But as it, as it happens, um, as, a, as after we recorded that one, two weeks later or so, the market really tanked the crypto market. I mean, a lot of them are, are half, the value is half what it was then. And I've seen this before. I've seen a, you know, full on bull market turn into a bear market, a bull market, just meaning, you know, everyone's buying and the prices are skyrocketing and everybody's making money. And then the bear market just means that everything's 
going down in value and people are panic selling and running around with their hair on fire. And one thing I, I noticed last time was that when we entered the full bear market, um, Jamie Mellinger got, got in it at, you know, when everything was at its all time high back in late 2017, early 2018. Um, and he didn't put a ton of money into it. He just wanted to play around with it. And he did. And right when he did, everything tanked. It just all crashed. And he never pulled anything out. Unlike so many people, when the market's down, they they pull their money out and take the loss. He didn't pull anything out. And he actually sat on it since 2017 or 2018 and just watched his investments come back and him watched himself go up in all of his cryptocurrencies. And so he actually made money. Um, and that is how you play the the down market, you don't sell for a loss. That's uh, Warren Buffett's number one rule, never lose money. And if in the crypto and any stock, you, you don't lose money until you sell it. As long as you, as long as you hold on to it and don't sell it, you're fine. Um, and we might be speaking to a lot of people right now in this bear market or whatever this is, a little down market. I'm not convinced it's a bear market yet. I believe we're still in the bull market and it's just a little retraction before it starts going up again. Could be wrong. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's just what it feels like to me. Yeah. So Brian, I think there's really two main reasons that we wanted to talk about this today. One is just a sheer curiosity about, uh, you know, what is crypto investing? And we figured, Hey, you know, we're curious about it. So I'm sure a lot of other people in the same industry we're in are also curious about it. And there's a lot of great audio resources out there for those of you driving a large portion of your day that this is an easy topic for you to just dig into and see what it's about. Uh, and, you know, as uh, home services professionals, everybody's always looking for kind of the next thing. You know, what can I put some of my spare change into? And maybe this works for you. Maybe it doesn't. We're not saying at all that this is something you should do. It's just something to consider. And the second main reason is that there is a high probability in the next several years that accepting cryptocurrency as payment will be a thing that we do in the home services industry. I could easily see that happening in one way or another. And so uh, why not learn about it now and get yourself on the, uh, the front of that spear so you can really know what's going on and can be more in tune with the current days of events. Uh, so without further ado, we want to jump into our quote and then we'll head right into our guests. Yep, but just keeping in mind, we're recording this intro a month after we recorded the podcast with the guests, and we wanted to do that because of where the market happens to be right now and just bring that up. That obviously when we recorded, we had no idea what the market was going to look like a month later. But <clears throat> an investment in knowledge pays the, vet, pays the best interest, Benjamin Franklin. And whether you choose to invest in cryptocurrencies or not, um, the knowledge getting to know them is going to be good for you. You might as well know what they are, know what it means, uh, and, and learn about this world if you don't already. Absolutely. Knowledge is power. And without further ado, let's bring in our guests who have some knowledge. Hey, special guests for you today on our podcast. We actually have two. First time we're bringing in two separate guests, and we're really excited to jump into them, this time focusing on crypto investing, which is definitely a hot topic subject for today's world. And we're really excited to have both Eric Anderson and Tyler Zimmerman joining us today. Eric was born and raised in Lancaster County, and after high school, he spent about five years in the United States Marine Corps as a tactical data systems administrator. 
since getting out in 2011, he's worked in several IT networking and security related positions and currently holds a role with Armstrong World Industries, where he serves as the manager of network and telecom solutions. His journey into crypto began in 2018 as the market was cooling off after the 2017 bull run, and he currently holds several digital different digital assets and spends most of his crypto time researching passive income opportunities in the new asset class, which is pretty cool. Tyler Zimmerman uh, works with us here. He's a service technician for one hour heating and air conditioning in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He's been in the field for about 10 years. Uh, born in 1990, he's always liked working with his hands and understanding how things worked and why. This eventually led to working in the automotive field for about four to five years. Love working on cars, but not so much professionally. And so he looked for change, transitioned to HVAC field, and has been doing that since. And despite always liking working with his hands, he's always been fascinated with the concept of making money work for you, which has led him to get involved in foreign exchange trading and cryptocurrency trading. Self-taught, he really started with the currency trading and naturally with the explosion of cryptocurrencies transitioned into doing that as well. Gentlemen, it is a privilege to have you. Welcome with us. Thanks. Nice Thanks. to be here. Is it especially a privilege for me because uh, these two are very likely to be seen at a bonfire I might host in my backyard. So this one's going to be pretty easy for us. Always a good time. Awesome. Uh, just going to bring out our financial disclaimer here. So nobody on this podcast is a trained professional financial advisor. This uh, podcast and anything that you're hearing in this series is not intended to be specific financial advice for you. It is, however, just a resource and something to pique your interest uh, since in most of our industry here in the home services, you know, you might have some um, extra income. Uh, you might be wondering what to do with that income. And that's really where this whole idea of a series about investing came from. We're looking to provide ways for people in the field of HVAC, plumbing, and electrical to uh, possibly invest and look for that exit strategy. As we know that, uh, you know, working in a truck for 40, 50 years is a difficult thing. And people are always looking for a way to find their way out. So that's why we're starting here. So let's start off with our topic. Uh, we're focusing on crypto, uh, which is a, a brand new investing market, uh, or at least major investing market at this point. Um, and I want to start off with just a basic, basic question here, gentlemen, what is crypto? Uh, so basically, crypto is a, a digital asset that is secured by cryptography on an open ledger so everybody can see this. And the idea is to get away from your centralized banks and banking systems. So everything is done on a public ledger, um, and it is digital. It's not like your typical fiat currency where you hold cash dollars or something like that. But the assets are used in the same manner. Um, it's used as a medium to exchange services. Yeah, and when you hear the, the term crypto, a lot of the times associated with blockchain so it's a, a chain of blocks which represent different um, transactions that occur on that chain, whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum. And as blocks are mined, transactions are in those blocks, and then they get added to the chain of since block zero of all the transactions that have ever occurred on that chain. So. Yeah, and uh, an easy way of thinking of that is imagine your bank account. Everybody could see your bank account. Um, if someone were to make a change to your bank account, they would have to make a change on everybody's version of your bank account, which is basically impossible. So that's what gives blockchain the security features that it has. Is it's a public ledger that is on all these systems. 
So it's very difficult to change. All right. So Eric, you mentioned the concept of mining, uh, which is something that uh, I don't fully understand. You know, back in the gold standard days, when the United States printed currency, it was in theory backed up by gold, actual physical gold that was mined out of the mountain. And now we're talking about digital mining. Explain that to me. Yeah, so at, at the, the basic level, um, you, in order to mine digital assets, we'll talk about Bitcoin. It's uh, like proof of work. So um, if you run a node on the Bitcoin network or you have a mining pool, um, you basically are, are leveraging uh, CPU or computer resources, CPU or GPU, using your electric, using that GPU or CPU to um, calculate very difficult mathematic calculations. Um, and if you, if you are known as the one to solve that problem that's currently on the, on the network, then you get rewarded with small pieces of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin miners, that's, that's all they do. They have, you know, data centers worth of GPU, CPUs performing these transactions or calculations on behalf of the network and get rewarded in, in Bitcoin. Um, so that's basically what it is. Just very difficult mathematical calculations that, then they reward you with pieces of Bitcoin. Okay, so it's like you have a workforce, and that workforce is digital. It's not actual right. manual labor, but it's a, a digital workforce that is solving problems. And when a problem is solved, somebody pays you, uh, not necessarily in currency, but pays you in crypto. That's right? exactly right. Yeah, when when Bitcoin first came out, the mining rewards were, were very high, you know, multiple Bitcoin per, you know, mathematical solve if you will um, every four years that reward gets cut in half uh, they call it the bitcoin having if you ever um, if you hear that i think the last one was in 2020 i believe summer of 2020 so it's 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 becoming i don't want to well less uh, less lucrative to mine bitcoin as the as more bitcoin are mined and that reward gets cut in half um, and more supply is is mined Okay. Will, it, will it get uh, less rewarding to the point where it's not worth mining anymore? Well, well, that's a it's it's kind of a difficult calculation um, because you you mean you have to factor in the price of electricity, um, the value of the Bitcoin at the time you're mining it. So, right back when Bitcoin was ten dollars, if you if you solved it and got two Bitcoin, you got twenty bucks. But now, if you get point zero 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 one of a Bitcoin or zero zero one of a Bitcoin for, but it's it's $65,000 or $60,000 you're close then you got to factor in the cost of the electric to run it but so it's it, it's it's fairly complex calculation that I don't know offhand <laughs> but speaking of calculations Eric where are these math problems coming from uh within the code it's, it's an algorithm written within the code by uh, uh Satoshi Nakamoto still yet <laughs> to be named or uh I put a face to the name but yeah it's all written in the uh, the original bitcoin code yeah, so at this point, we don't actually know who who created Bitcoin, but Satoshi Nakamura is the uh, Nakamoto. Yeah, Nakamoto is the what pseudonym given yeah. to the probably yeah. group of people who came up with. Yeah, they're not sure if it's a individual or a group. Yeah, the, the cypherpunks, they believe, right? But that that individual or group does own a a, a significant amount of Bitcoin. Yes. Um, which has been untouched, right? Pretty much yeah. since I think 2011, 2010, yeah. something like that. Yeah. 
Is there is there a chance? I, I think I read this on Reddit that uh, that is just a an account that's locked and the password is lost and it will never be. It's you're speculating. That's yeah. What I'm but there is a chance. I mean, whoever owns it is a billionaire. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is it you, Nate? I mean, I didn't want to bring it up. I'm just kind of playing dumb here. But <laughs> can, we, can we get some better mics then, for crying out loud? <laughs> just take one of those Bitcoin out with. So, Tyler, um, this is the conversation about Bitcoin. Is this typically how crypto works? Is is that the same, or are there different types of crypto? Well, in the past five years, it's absolutely exploded. So, Bitcoin, which is a proof of work system, um, they're not all like that. Not all cryptocurrencies you can mine. Not all of them have a finite supply, um, so it really depends on what you're looking at. But in the past five years, I mean, we went from maybe a couple hundred cryptocurrencies to thousands. So there's a lot of different things out there. Some are doing different things. Not all are structured like Bitcoin. And that just kind of blows my mind. I mean, like, can the four of us just sitting around this room create our own cryptocurrency? Yes. Yes. Very quickly. And should. Too. <laughs> they actually the waste make no day uh, podcast uh, like a fourth of a cryptocurrency is you know when they take the code of an existing cryptocurrency and basically copy it and create another and that seems to be a pretty popular thing these days so i know there's like uh, differences of bitcoin like there's bitcoin and then there's bitcoin classic and you know whatever is that what you're talking about or are those separate yes. things that okay. is an example of a fork yeah, for, for like Bitcoin, those were like the original forks. You got Bitcoin Cash, which was basically the original developers of Bitcoin had differences of opinion on where the network should go. Um, and they forked off Bitcoin Cash. I mean, Bitcoin Gold was another one. Um, but just dip, slightly different modifications across across each. I, w- right. I would say there's, there's uh, uh, cryptocurrencies... Um, like the consensus algorithm with Bitcoin's proof of work, you have other ones that are um, proof of stake. Um, and, you know, the big thing now with Bitcoin and Ethereum, Ethereum is actually working on getting alpha of proof of work because of the, um, uh, the the carbon footprint, if you will, of of mining Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, it takes a lot of power in order to mine Bitcoin and Ethereum. So they're moving to a model where you don't have to do that, sort of like XRP is. It's... All of those coins are, are mined now, and there's a consensus algorithm that, that verifies the transactions on the network. So it's not any computer-intensive work to do it. It's just consensus across the nodes that run on the network. Oh, so we should get some uh, like Tesla solar panels and right, just put, it, put us up a pole barn in between our houses and start mining some Bitcoin. We could well, tap, tap, into, tap into that uh, line right above your, your bond. I'm <laughs> probably not going to yeah. be mining Bitcoin anymore. Mining Bitcoin for the average person, you're not going to be able to do it. Uh, you can't have the GPU power to actually do it. Um, the whole purpose of these algorithms with the mining is the algorithm dictates how long it takes to mine a block of Bitcoin. And they want that regulated because there's only a finite amount of Bitcoin. So when these things are mined, it's on like a kind of like a schedule. That's what these algorithms do. That way, you know, someone with a supercomputer can't mine a million Bitcoin in an hour. Uh, But because of that, these algorithms are always getting more and more difficult, which is why you have Bitcoin farms. So the average person can't buy a computer, even with, you know, the top GPU and expect to really get any, any Bitcoin out of it. Mm -hmm. If you join a pool, you might get some, um, but probably not what you're expecting. 
All right, so gentlemen, it, it certainly is a very um, technical subject uh, of cryptos and where they come from, and I'm not sure that we can we could probably spend hours and hours trying to even understand how all these are generated. Um, but I think for the majority of our audience, you know, this is a pretty new subject, and they've probably heard about it in the news, or you know, they got some buddies like, "Yo, man, you got to get into cryptos and all that." So. Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, most of us, this isn't our primary job. You know, we're focusing on other things. So Tyler, I want to talk to you for a minute. You know, you're, you're a technician. You're exactly who the majority of our audience is. If I'm you or I'm you five years ago, where should I start? Like, how do I explore crypto? How do I learn? How, how do I get into it without, you know, just you know, wasting money or experimenting crazy? Where it's do I start? That's a great question and a great person to ask, in my <clears throat> opinion, because it, was it was it our annual Christmas tree uh, burning event? I believe it was. We uh, in our neighborhood, and Eric is one of my neighbors, have an annual event where we take all the Christmas trees in the neighborhood and burn them in, in the bonfire. It's fun to watch a Christmas tree go up. If you've never seen it, it's like a hydrogen bomb or something. Um and Tyler happened to be there and was telling a bunch of us about Bitcoin and, and other coins he was invested in, which um, TRX was a big one, Tronics at the time. <clears throat> and so this would have been Christmas of 2017. 16. Was it 16? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and I don't know, next couple of days, I and a couple other people ended up creating these accounts and getting into it, you know, with like, I don't know, a hundred hours or something and just toying with it a little bit. And that ended up being a really good way to get into it, not risking a whole lot. Um, we should say over and over again, only put money in there that you are a okay with losing until you get really good at it and really get to know this stuff. Um, but yeah, take it, take it away, Tyler. Um, well, first as a disclaimer, I mean, this isn't for everybody you're a, a risk adverse person it's probably not the type of thing that you want to do even with a little bit of money um and, and why do you say that uh, the reason i say high that, velocity um not velocity. it's very volatile high, vo- high volatility there yeah, we go it's very volatile <laughs> and, it is uh, fast paced too <laughs> yeah and you know everybody pretty much has a 401k so we're all doing some sort of investing even if you're not involved directly with your 401k let's say you know a lot of people have it and they just kind of let it do whatever it's doing um Crypto, you, you have to take a more hands-on approach, but it's also a, a much riskier investment compared to like stocks or traditional investments like that. And that's um, because of the volatility. It's because of the volatility. Um, it's a very speculative thing because there's no tan- tangible things behind it, for example. So like Apple, you can look at its sales, its uh, assets, properties, its, it owns intellectual property, etc. You can value it based on that. So there's a tangible thing there. Whereas with cryptos, uh, not so much. So it is highly speculative. And because of that, there's a lot of risk that's involved. And that's why a lot of uh, mainstream investors uh, are really adverse to the whole concept because it is so unsecured, right? That is what makes it extremely risky. I mean, let's take Doge. You know, Doge has been in the news for weeks now. Um, you know, its market capitalization is billions of dollars. I don't know if you've been on the website recently, but if you look at the website and then you imagine that this thing's worth, what is it, 50, 60 billion? It's hard to imagine. 
it's, it's very difficult to imagine. <laughs> Tyler's very upset about this. I am very upset I'm, about this. I've been this. trying to get him into it for, what, a month now, and he's like, I'm not touching that crap coin. I'm just I'm, Everybody else just made all this money. I'm trying not to <laughs> grind my teeth over here. Um, I saw <laughs> a, Eric's in the same boat. He doesn't speaking want to touch of, uh, of, of financials, I saw Ethereum just crossed 3000 uh, which makes it more valuable than Disney. Which is, I mean, imagine that. And Ethereum doesn't have anything that Disney has. They don't make movies. They don't have an amusement park. Nothing like that. So that's what, you know, to traditional investors, when they look at cryptocurrencies, it looks like a scam. And right. I can understand why. Because um, if you're used to looking at that, you're like, well, what do these things have that even give it that type of value? But that's the nature of currencies, which are fundamentally different than like a stock or something like that. Because um, it is used as a medium, as payment, instead of, you know, the assets of a business or something like that. So where did, how did you get into it? Like, where did you start? Where should I start it? I don't own a single crypto. If that's my status right now, where should I start? Um, well, I think, I, I think first you should determine what type of risk you want. Okay. Are you comfortable with high risk? Do you want more of a low risk investment? Uh, depending on which way you lean, that's going to influence which crypto you want to get into. If you're a low risk type of person, you probably want to get into one that's already well established, Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, things of that nature. Reason being, you're not going to have the returns that you might in some of these higher risk investments, but you're probably guaranteed returns, at least some sort of returns. If you're more of a high risk person and you want to look at coins that, you know, perhaps have good use cases, but their market capitalization is low, you're looking for that return on investment. But the understanding is always there that you could lose every dollar you put into it. And you should go into it with that understanding. Um, and that's why I say if you're risk adverse, this is not for you at all. And I would add to that, if with crypto, if, if you're coming from, if this is your first foray into crypto and you're you know, used to looking your 401k every once in a while, maybe, with crypto, you don't want to look at it every day. Um, <laughs> because, the, because the volatility is, you know, on, you know, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, you have 2% day, you know, people are either throwing their hats on the floor or, you know, if it's 2% up, they're going out for beers, right? Um, in crypto, a 20%, 15% swing either way is kind of like, eh, it is what it is, right? It happens. Yeah, so I, I would say for people just getting in, uh, like that, you need to understand that. And a good strategy for going in is just buying and holding. Don't try to trade, just buy and hold. Um, you know, as you get in and feel how the markets work, um, you know, then you can start trading in and out of different cryptos. But I think just just establishing, like like Tyler mentioned, getting your Bitcoin, Ethereum, kind of like the, you know, the the top dogs, and then you know it it's it's a learning process as you as you invest in these. You're gonna on even on Coinbase now, which is the the exchange I would recommend everybody get started with. It's kind of like the mainstream exchange. Transaction fees are a little bit high compared to other other. Um, exchanges, but it's a good, it's it's a very user friendly experience, um, and they have videos there that kind of address what is a crypto, um, what is this net, what's Ethereum, what's what's Algorand, like what's and and you can earn crypto by watching these videos too, um, but it's a very easy place to get started. And even even on Coinbase, I think there's probably fifteen or twenty tradable assets now. It used to be when I first got in, it was Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, and one other one. Bitcoin Cash, maybe? Bitcoin Cash, probably, yeah. Uh, but they keep adding them as they go, and kind of like the the stamp of approval in, in like the, 
the world of crypto is getting listed on Coinbase. Like, like you've made it, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's a good good place to start. And there's there's opportunities for um, like Algorand, for example. If you if you buy it on Coinbase, um, you get six. So by holding the asset, Coinbase will pay you six percent APY on that that asset. So if it appreciates, great. Um, but no matter if it appreciates, depreciates, you're always getting six percent on whatever you have in there. So there's there's different opportunities for that in Coinbase. But I would say Coinbase is definitely the place to start. Now, Eric, you mentioned about um, the volatility in the market. You know, so if I own a, a traditional stock and that company reports on their quarterly revenue and their quarterly profits are ten percent higher than expectation, the stock goes up. Or uh, vice versa. You know, <clears throat> they had a really bad quarter. Uh, some products failed and. You know, they way under projected on things. The stock goes down. That makes sense to me. Help me understand why the crypto market seems to go up and down without any explanation, or, or maybe there is an explanation. I just don't understand it. Well, I mean, it's it's like Tyler mentioned. It's it's the majority is speculation, um, and a lot of it has to do with um, news about partnerships. I think that's kind of like what makes the crypto world spin is is news of partnerships. So. You know, when, when VeChain two years ago or whatever announced a um, uh, like a beta test of their product with Walmart China, like that spiked the the price of VeChain a lot because people are speculating, hey, if they're going to be working with Walmart China, this is going to get widely adopted, more people are going to buy it, supply and demand, price is going to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know, th- there are some solid use cases of cryptos and, and legitimate businesses getting into it. I think um, you know. The big thing now is big companies buying Bitcoin. Like people see that as, wow, if Tesla's getting into it, if uh, if the other companies, JP Morgan, yeah, JP Morgan, Alibaba, the other day, yeah, if if these companies are getting into it, man, I should too, right? It's 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 here to it's here to stay. And there is some there is some truth to that. I mean, if, yeah. if something like JP Morgan, which just simply makes money by investing for people, um, is getting into this thing. And to me, and in my opinion, it is something that I should be in if I'm going to be investing. Right. So, so I think that that's market speculation and, and announcement of partnerships and adoption is, is really the big thing that drives market prices right now. And if, uh, uh, like, like Ripple had a partnership with MoneyGram last year uh, to do cross-border payments, um, so the price went up when they, when that happened. The price of the MoneyGram stock also went up, and then in I believe it was. January maybe or February, Ripple and MoneyGram split and decided to put the partnership on ice and both assets went down a little bit, right? So it's, it's kind of just speculation. Um, I think the other, you know, the other factor in in Bitcoin's price or, or cryptos as a, as a whole, kind of like real estate we were talking, is really speculation on the current value of the dollar too, right? So you know, people looking for a, a hedge against inflation um, or just diversifying their portfolio um, outside of the tra- traditional markets, um, you know, trying to get just get exposure to to crypto or a different asset class. Yeah, we watched in 2020 uh, probably the worst year on record of of our our money being devalued and overprinted and inflated. Um, it it doesn't seem like a coincidence that 2021 is the biggest year we've ever seen for people entering the crypto market. Not at all. And and these people, they understand this probably better than anybody, which is why we see them buying Bitcoin and things like that. You know, the one thing that attracted me to it initially was the finite supply. 
you know, if we look at our dollar, you know, there's an unlimited supply of this. They can print it pretty much at will. Um, the U.S. Dogecoin. <laughs> which is makes it a depreciating asset for every single one of us when it sits in a bank account. You still have the same quantity that you had, but the buying power has been decreased. And if you take anything in finite value, I mean, it could be a turd on the side of the street, but if enough people want it, the value will go up. Tickle me um, Elmo. Right. And I mean, that's yeah, just the, the nature bulb. of supply and demand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you look at these cryptocurrencies, you know, like Bitcoin, there's only ever 21 million Bitcoin. The more and more people want Bitcoin, naturally the price is going to go up. That's It has to. Okay. So in a traditional stock market, the only way that you can buy shares is either if more shares are created or somebody sells existing shares. So right. every once in a while, a stock split happens and, you know, more shares get created and then the plate, but the price halves or lowers or quarters, however many they split. And then there's more shares to be bought, but they, they've figured out the price in a crypto market with a finite supply. Is that still the case that somebody you can only buy if somebody is selling? Yes. Okay. And that's only the case with certain cryptos. Other cryptos have infinite supply like Dogecoin that was brought up earlier, which basically means they can create Dogecoin whenever they want. Right. And you have to be careful with that kind of stuff because that's what makes, that's what creates asset bubbles. Like we take Dogecoin. I don't know what it's at today, but I think it's above 38 cents. 38 cents. Okay. 30.562. I think it was what, two, three months ago. It was under a penny. Um, uh, yeah, well, I know for sure. I think I bought it the first time in February. It was point zero zero eight eight tenths of a cent. Right. So here we're looking at, I mean, however many thousands of percent of gain on that coin. But you now have people buying these coins at 38 cents a coin. When keep in mind, a few months ago, it was under a penny. Um, you can get, I mean, you could get destroyed on something like that. And that's Quick. what makes it yeah. very worrisome. There's no finite supply on Dogecoin. You know, they could make more tomorrow. And you got two or three people that own 30% of that coin. Now, do you think they bought in at 38 cents? I don't think so. You know, they bought in when it was fractions of a penny. And now you have people paying 38 cents for this coin. And that's why, personally, I mean, I regret not buying Dogecoin, but I probably never will. And that brings up another point, um, as Eric was talking about, that he didn't mention things that make the value of these these currencies go up is um one is just plain hype i mean dogecoin is is exploding largely because of elon musk and mark cuban and who are the other ones there's a couple other celebrities that just get on the news or get on twitter and and talk about this thing going to the moon and actually elon musk recently said he is literally going to send a SpaceX SpaceX rocket to the moon and put a Dogecoin on the moon. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and uh, if you don't think he's going to do that, you're probably, uh, you're probably underestimating Elon Musk because that is something he would do. He calls himself the Doge father now. Um, the people's <clears throat> coin. But he's, he's going to be on Saturday Night Live as we're recording this uh, six days from now. Um, as, as By the time this episode releases, we'll know what impact it had, but he's going to be on Saturday night live this coming Saturday and we'll probably do a skit related to Dogecoin and we'll probably see the, the value of it go way up and then probably see a huge sell off of people taking profits and the value goes way down. And the problem with something like that is it, it leaves a lot of people that bought in at the very peak, um, 
with a coin that's valued at half of what they bought in at. And this, this creates skepticism in the crypto market and drives people out that should be really getting in, but getting into a good usable coin that's not inflated by hype. Um, so let's talk about some of the ones that are valuable and not inflated by hype. Uh, I know Eric in particular is, is really, really into one coin that he got me into in a, in a bigger way than I had been previously. He's so excited right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. So when you're, when you're first getting into crypto, it's kind of like a, it's, it's overwhelming. You really don't know much about what any of these are. You look at coin, if you, Coin market. So if you go to coinmarketcap.com or there's a coin market cap app, um, it'll, it gives you all the cryptos, what their market cap is, what their change is over the last 24 hours or seven days. Um, and if you click on it, you can kind of get an idea of what, what the crypto does. You know, I, I kind of look at um, Bitcoin as the, the granddaddy, the name recognition. It's got the, uh, it's got the most hype. It's been around the longest. Um, Transaction speeds aren't the best, um, but it's 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 like Tyler mentioned. It's there's a, there's a finite supply, and uh, it's digital gold basically is what people refer it to as or refer to it as. Um, next one down, Ethereum is is another it's a, another good good buy. It's uh, currently proof of work uh, consensus, but they're moving to proof of stake uh, because of proof of work is just not scalable to the, the point of where Ethereum's going. And many different, um, if you ever hear the term ERC-20 token, um, which a lot of tokens are, they're all built on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, there's a myriad of decentralized applications that run on the Ethereum blockchain as well. Um, so Ethereum is like kind of like a base level crypto that is the foundation for a lot of the other cryptos in the market. And a, a lot of crypto, I believe Tron was one of them, started out as an ERC-20 to get their feet off the ground and then launched on their own blockchain. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the next one would be Ripple or XRP. Um, so Ripple and XRP catch a lot of flack from traditional uh, crypto enthusiasts um, for, for really one reason alone. I mean, if you, if you look back to the, the white paper of, of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto. It was it was either right during or right after the economic um, downfall of 2008, um, and you know the bailouts happened. The everybody suffered except for the banks, right? Um, and people were just fed up. And so the the, the peer to peer transaction uh, paradigm of Bitcoin really caught on uh, with the, with these folks, and uh, pretty much taking the banks out of the transactions. So instead of having to go through a bank to um, market between or trade um, uh, trade services or assets between people, to have a bank between, now you can just do a peer-to-peer. Um, well, when Ripple came out, um, really they, they came out OpenCoin. Uh, there was a couple of different names, OpenCoin. There was a few others. Um, I believe it was 2013 they launched, but their stated goal was to let to leverage the technology that Bitcoin had really um, uh, trailblazed on, you know, blockchain and digital, digital, or, yeah, distributed ledger technology. Um, but instead of saying, you know, screw you banks, 
we're going to do this ourselves. They took the approach, hey, let's work with regulators, let's work with banks and make cross-border payments more manageable and, and scalable and, and easy to use and less less costly. Um, so they caught a lot of flack from the original you know, Bitcoin maximalists and people that were all about peer-to-peer and getting rid of the banks. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, I see both sides, but at the same time, if, if you if you kind of step back and say, which one do I think is going to succeed <laughs> in the world we live in? It's going to be the one that works with the system, at least for now, right? Um, in the in the, the world we live in. Um, so, um, at, at Ripple or XRP, just a just a, a good long term hold, in my opinion. They got a lot of partnerships and traction. Um, but I think I think the big thing is just you know as you get more into the market, um, you start to get more uh, wisdom and clarity around which um, digital assets or cryptocurrencies have a use case or don't have a use case. Um, you know, you want to, you really want to shy away from the ones that don't have a, a legitimate use case. Um, if, if you're, if you're fairly risk adverse, I mean, if you get into, um, you know, the, the decentralized finance area of the crypto industry and Uniswap and all these, uh, up and coming DeFi projects that really don't have any use case at all, um, but are printing 50 X returns in the, you know, month or whatever, um, you know, that, that's a quick way to turn a buck, but it's also, it, it, I don't think it's sustainable. Um, so Eric, really, you had mentioned a term there, use case. Explain that for us. Yeah, so so a, um, a use case would be, you know, um, that's one of the things we talked about. Not not many people see crypto and can say, oh, yeah, crypto, it's for this, right? Oh, yeah, that crypto is for this. Well, use case is basically what what is this, what is the, the, the foundation or why does this crypto exist? Um, so, again, for, for Ripple's example, they have a clear-cut, reason for XRP being used. Um, it's for uh, banks uh, to transfer transfer money uh, across borders uh, internationally as basically a replacement for the, the SWIFT um, system that was put in place back in, I believe, the 70s. Um, so, uh, you know, a, a transaction across borders um, takes anywhere from three to five days, um, com- you know, end-to-end, um, the actual money getting there and then, then settling, um, you know, with, with Ripple and XRP, it take that process is cut down to about 20 seconds, right? So, um, and for fractions of the cost. So it's, it's a tangible use case. Like the, this technology is built, being built to solve a real world problem, right? Um, those are the ones that are going to live on, right? And I, I mean, being in the, the services industry or HVAC, electricity, or, um, you probably heard of like ISO standing. Yeah, okay. plumbing. Let me correct you. Like, yeah, I got to yes. <laughs> first and foremost. Yeah. Sorry, Tyler. Um, but you know, there's there's international st- like ISO standards for you know um, electrical sockets, uh, data, network connections. It's the reason why you can take a, an Ethernet cable from the U.S. and plug it in in China, and it still works. The dimensions of that cable are the same. The the TCP/IP protocol runs on. It's all the same. It's, that's the inter- international standards organization. Well, there's a um, there's an ISO. I believe it's two. It's a five digit number two two zero two two maybe, but that outlines uh, the digital finance landscape. Um, so it's an international standard for that. And Ripple is named in that international standards organization as a player in the in the new digital financial world. So when you ha- when you hear people talking about leveling the playing field and all those kind of different terms, 
it's about this this new digital finance platform that they're that they're they're bringing out. So things like that are what you really want to look for. I mean, XRP is not the only one in that case that that are actually making traction and have a use case and are going to solve problems. But those are really the ones you want to focus on. Now, Tyler, what would be some of the coins that you would recommend as as good places to start? Um, well, I, I agree with Eric. I mean, coins with good use cases are good long-term holds. Um, if you have someone who wants to trade, you know, do more trading, that tends to be what I do a lot of. You know, I look for a few things. I look for a finite supply. I look for low market capitalization. Um, those are the main things I focus on when I'm trading. If I'm not going to be trading, I do what Eric does because um, you're not focusing on short-term returns or anything like that. Um, but if you want to make trades and try to flip your money, then I would say, you know, if you if you can accept the risk, focus on finite supply and low market capitalization. Um, if you're looking for a, a, a more safe investment, you still want to trade, focus on Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, things that are more well-established. Now, speaking of established, uh, again, in, in the business world, in the, the physical world, you know, if, if Apple wants to purchase a brand new company, which I just read today, they're purchasing new companies every three to four weeks. If Apple wants to do that, you know, they get some lawyers involved, they put some money down, they do an initial evaluation of the company and they sign the paperwork and boom, we now have a merger. Can that happen in the crypto world? Is there ever a chance that, you know, Bitcoin starts and merges with Doge or, you know, something like that? Can that happen? I don't. I don't want to say it can't, but uh, you know, you can't un- say anything can't about Doge these days. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine with the blockchains set up the way they are, because you'd have to merge the blockchain itself. It, it and unlike you know, so with with traditional stocks, they're tied to a uh, like a, a tangible company. You you can Apple, you know, their phones everywhere. You know, they have a headquarters building like. Tyler said they have assets, intellectual property. Um, Bitcoin is is really not that. There's there's no there's no like one person that you can go to and say, hey, your Bitcoin, you know, we're we're going to merge you with with this like like Dogecoin. There's no there, there there's like a, a governing authority, if you will, that kind of makes decisions about how what changes will be made on the network into the code. Um, but it's it's really no like one throat to choke, right? It's that's that's one of the the, the purposes and. Um, is the decentralized nature of it, right? Um, no, no one person or, or several people run the, the whole network. It's kind of, it's distributed. Um, but that's not to say that it, it couldn't happen. I just, I don't, I don't foresee that happening. Um, and that, that's, that's one thing about Ripple. I think of all the, you know, Ripple and XRP are, are not the same thing. Ripple, Ripple is the company that that is developing financial technologies and are leveraging the digital asset XRP um, in order to, to use that to speed up transactions for cross-border payments. Um, but I believe that's really why we see the the lawsuit with the SEC going on right now um, is because, you know, the SEC can't grab Bitcoin and, and get money out of it. Um, maybe Ethereum with the Ethereum Foundation, but Vitalik Buterin, but you know, XRP, it's, it's Ripple owns the majority supply of, of XRP, um, at close to it, at least half, I would say close to half. Um, but they can, they're going after Ripple and, you know, claiming that they, they've been selling unregistered securities uh, for the last seven years. 
uh, or at least in the initial initial coin offering. Um, but that Ripple is really the only one that I can think of off the top of my head that's like, you know, you can say, hey, you know, we can we can sue these people. Um, there's there's the the company we can go after for this. Um, not a lot of other cryptos have that. It's more decentralized. And we should say that um, with the SEC looking or investigating, uh, actually not investigating, they have a lawsuit mm-hmm. against XRP Ripple right now. Most exchanges, including Coinbase, are not offering um, XRP. So if it is something you want to look into and get into and potentially buy, I think the place to do it right now is Uphold, U-P-H-O-L-D. Yep. Is a uh, is an app you can download and open an account with <clears throat> yep. and purchase some XRP. Now, Uphold has high fees, so it's if you want to get an in-day trade and buy today and sell tomorrow and buy it back as, as the market goes up and down. That's probably not the place to do it because you'll, you'll pay some pretty hefty fees. But if you just want to get in now before the lawsuit wraps up and hope, hope it uh, skyrockets like Eric expects here, <laughs> then upholds a good place to do it for now. Yep. And that, that should lead us into actually Robin hood. Um, it has to be the most used app for crypto i would think right now because it's probably it's, the easiest it's by defi- far. definitely the easiest but you don't own your crypto when you buy them on Robinhood. effectively i think you just trade them but you can't you can't withdraw your digital currency from uh robin and put it into a digital wallet like you can most of these exchanges we've talked about so you don't actually own it you, know, you can't withdraw from, from uh, robin hood I never knew that. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it, I don't have Robinhood, but yeah, interesting. I do. I, I, uh, play with some things on Robinhood because, like Tyler said, it's so easy. Uh, Robinhood is very easy to open an account. Um, it doesn't take much time. And it's, it, I mean, the, the transactions are instant. There's so much liquidity on, on Robinhood. Um, there's no fees for trading it. So if you do want to do some day trading and really, if you're really not risk averse and you want to try to day, day trade cryptos, Robinhood is an easy place to do it. And they do also offer Doge. So, yeah. And I, and you bring up a good point there that I think we should mention for people starting out. Um, so um, the, the cryptographic nature of, of digital assets and, and cryptocurrencies um, involves really the marrying of a, a public key with a private key. Um, and that's what kind of secures your asset um, that you have on the on whatever network it is. So, um, like on, on Coinbase, for example, or, or Uphold, or any other exchange, you would keep your your cryptos on. You know, you 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 can log into that account and see your balance of that crypto. Um, but if you look at your wallet address, if you look at a and and here's one of the things about distributed ledger technology, you take your wallet address and look it up in any sort of you know. A blockchain scanning tool, ETH tool, whatever, whatever our XRP is, what Bitcoin has one, you can see that wallet, how much it has in it. Um, and I don't think you can see who the owner is. Sometimes the big exchanges, you can kind of, you know. Sometimes um, it'll typically show you like transactions and holdings, etc. Right. Yeah, but you, you when, when you're holding your crypto on Coinbase or on an exchange, it's it's effectively not yours. It's 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 a it's a gray area, right? Because you you do not own the private keys 
to that crypto. Um, the the exchange does. They are they are giving it to you. Or there there's a exchange model there where you you own it in in quotes. Um, but if something were to happen to that exchange and it goes away, it's gone. You're you're not getting it back. And there's there've been many cases of that. I think Mount Mount Gox was the first one back in 2013, 2014, yeah, maybe. People people went to prison over that one. Yeah. Well, what's going on in Turkey yeah. right now? You had uh, I think a guy who ran an exchange, you know, disappeared with over a billion dollars worth of cryptocurrencies. You know, he's on the run. They arrested somebody else in Turkey, but it does happen. And I actually ran into this first with the foreign exchange market. Um, but what you don't realize when you place a trade on the market, you think that this trade actually occurred on the real world market. With a lot of these exchanges, that's not really what's happening. You see that on your screen, but the way they facilitate the trade is all in-house. So when they close out the trade or when you close out the trade, that payout is either coming from them or being taken away from them. Does that, does that make sense? Like, So if you make money, that comes out of their bank account because the trade never actually goes on the market. It's facilitated through the broker. That's how a lot of foreign exchange works. Um, crypto, with their exchanges, is very similar. You know, when you make a trade on this market, the broker itself has to have these coins to do that. And then they match those later on down the road. So that's why liquidity is so important with that kind of stuff. And that's why you have to be careful with which exchange you use. Yeah, that's why Coinbase is a big one. It, it's, it is the most trusted ex- exchange. Yeah. I mean, there are other ones up, up and coming that are, that are uh, widely trusted, like Binance and say crypto.com right um, but certainly coinbase is the biggest one but it's it's no different than having your money in you know wells fargo versus having your money sitting in a safe in your house in, in one of those cases in both of those cases you own the money but in one of those cases it's definitely yours and in your hand and in the other one you're trusting somebody else to give it to you when you want it and well in the case of wells fargo they're fdinc insured so up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, Coinbase. You're, you, you're not FDIC insured there. That's yep. that's one of the risks of the crypto market. Um, but in order to get around that, so where I was going with that, if you if you're if you're going to trade your cryptos on an exchange, and you can leave them on there and make your trades. Um, but if you're kind of like a buy and hold guy, like I am, you want to get what you call a hardware wallet. Uh, Ledger Nano S is one of them. Um, Trezor. T-E-R, T-R-E-Z-E-O-R, I think it is. Oh, but they're just little USB keys. Um, you run a, a Ledger Live um, app on your uh, your computer. Um, and when you, when you first plug it in, you write down, it gives you a series of 24 words that you write down on a card. Um, and you do not want to lose that because that's your private key. Um, but effectively, once you set that up and you have your private key, you get your own wallet address. Um, and then any um, digital assets you transfer to there and hold, they're yours because you own the private key to that that wallet address or that 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 crypto or digital asset. Um, and then it can't be; it's not going to be hacked. Like if an exchange goes down or gets hacked, it's not you're not affected by that. Um, so you know, buying and holding. You, you hear the term "not your keys, not your crypto." That's pretty much what that means. If you ever hear that with YouTubers saying that. Well, needless to say, I think investing in crypto is a pretty far cry from investing in uh, realty or land, you know, where you have a tangible asset, uh, but certainly has uh, its own 
ups and downs too, and significant ups and significant downs as we've seen in the market even lately uh, with things like Dogecoin and Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin just dropped 10,000 and then is almost back up to where it was again just in a few weeks. <clears throat> uh, and, and speaking of that, of returns, I want to talk, I know neither of you are tax consultants, but how did taxes play into this? Is this a, a registered form of income from the IRS's perspective or is yes. this all on the, you know. The, you do have to make sure you, you square up your taxes okay. with this kind of stuff, especially if you're taking profits. Um, capital gains comes into play as well. You know, I think if you hold the assets and you're not taking profits, um, taxes aren't too bad at that rate. But when yeah. you start cashing out, yeah. Yeah, so taxes. there's, or trade, if you trade now. Yep. Right. It's considered like a stock. It is a taxable transaction. You trade one you coin for another one. You pay capital gains on that. Yep. Yeah, I believe short-term capital gains is if you hold it for less than a year, uh, you have to pay um, the taxes at your current tax rate, whatever that is. Um, and if you hurt, if you're a, hold it for over a year before you take profits, long-term capital gains, and I believe it's 15%, 15, 18 maybe. For now. Yeah, for now. So the one thing I've seen floating on the, the news and the radar um, with the, the Biden administration is um, the, the thought of taxing unrealized capital gains, um, which would be uh, terrible in my opinion. But uh, what, that, what that really means is if you hold an asset – uh, right, and you hold it. You bought it at a dollar, and it's now two dollars. Um, even though you haven't taken profit from it, that unrealized capital gain is taxable now, right? Um, so that would be fairly detrimental, in my opinion. I'm um, not just for the crypto industry, but for any, you know, sure, you know, yeah. flourishing capital market. But so you mentioned you mentioned news there, which is another thing that I wanted to cover. There, there seems to be so much misinformation out there. I mean, you have anything from Reddit to Twitter to blogs to, you know, mass media markets talking about crypto, and there's just so much information. How do you know what to trust? It's a good question. Do your own research. Yeah. I think that's, um, I think, what, what was in the 2017, 2018? Well, I think basically the, the in the crypto space, the, the narrative is always if if um, if CNBC is talking good about it, it's probably time to sell, right? <laughs> if, if if they're if they're saying it's you know like what it, uh, was that guy that say it was rat poison? Um, I can't think of his name right now, but you know when people are talking down about it, FUD, fear, uncertainty, doubt. You know, twenty seventeen at the end of twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, early twenty nineteen. You know, that's the time you want to be buying when everybody is like, I wouldn't touch this with a 10 foot pole. You know, right? it's, it's Bitcoin's at three grand, you know, um, more, you know, you got, forget who, who said this one, but it's, you know, you got to buy when there's blood in the streets, right? Like when, when the, um, the, the people that profited most in 2020 was when the coronavirus um, uh, pandemic hit and it, it affected the stock market, the stock market just tanked. The people that profited were the ones that say, okay, it's going to go back up. I'm going to buy now, you know, contrary to everybody, you know, the, the, the mainstream investors, like get me out of here. Like it's losing money. Why would you, why would you buy now? It's losing money. But really that's where you're going to get your, your most gains. The dips. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the reality is this blockchain technology is here to stay. Um, whether or not you invest in it, it's, it's going to be part of probably everyday life um, from here on out in the future. It's going to, businesses are utilizing it, etc. I wouldn't doubt it if governments created their own t 
type of currency like this. I don't know if they would ever adopt something like Bitcoin, um, but I wouldn't doubt it <laughs> if they tried to create their own. In fact, I think some countries already have. Yeah, there, a lot of countries are exploring what they they they're calling uh, CBDCs, um, uh, central bank digital currencies, and it's uh, really just a digital representation of whatever um, uh, whatever currency they they leverage. Um, and you see this, uh, uh, you know, uh, if, if you think about CBDCs, the, a close relation to that would be something like a stable coin, right? Um, if you go on Coinbase, their stable coin of choice is USDC, the U.S. dollar coin, um, um, which kind of brings me into a, a, the next point about passive income. But, um, yeah, I think central banks are definitely starting to adopt that. Um, they I believe the Russian Federation um, – had announced um, earlier on this year that they were um, piloting a CBDC on the Stellar network. Um, so XLM is the ticker for that one. Um, I think that that has a lot of a lot of potential as well. Fun fact: the one of the original architects of the XRP ledger, Jed McCaleb, left Ripple to start uh, Stellar um, XLM. Um, so he's he's still there, and somehow didn't get named in the SEC case. I don't know, but. I think I think he'll be next, um, but back to stable coins. Um, you know, I think to Tyler's point, that's where a lot of it a lot of it's going. The digital representation of money, but there's there's platforms out there now. Um, uh, one of them I currently leverage is, is called Nexo. Um, so I have you know savings laying around in in my bank account, my traditional bank account, and you look at your monthly statement or your yearly tax form and you, you get like you got like 30 cents of interest over the last year right and uh, these platforms out there you can you know buy usd coin usdc on coinbase transfer it over to nexo and by holding it in nexo just holding it there um you're getting 10 percent a year uh interest uh, apy and it's actually calculated daily it's paid out daily um so and it's compounded daily too um, but yeah, ten percent APY on that same money that you had laying around your savings account, getting like two cents a month. Um, you're not getting ten percent. So it's there, there's a lot of opportunities like that. The, the, you know, that's more. You, um, it's it's you think of that like a a, a crypto bank, right? You, you hold your digital asset there, um, and they they pay you interest for it. It's just, right now it's just a lot more interest. But that would be like centralized finance. So the the big thing that's coming down the pike. It, and you know that's here is decentralized finance, um, yield farming, um, and different different opportunities to stake your crypto for for massive AP like annual percentage returns. Um, I think that's where the market's going to be going decentralized finance. But um, like the, as far as centralized finance go, Nexo and there's another one Celsius. Um, I think Net, Nexo is out of the uh, Great Britain or United Kingdom somewhere. Uh, I don't I don't know where Celsius out of, but same thing. But you can, you can. I had my XRP there for a while and was getting interest paid out in XRP daily. You know, um, and they they support a bunch of di- different digital assets. Um, but I think that's you know, that's a relatively low risk way of getting in and getting some good passive income generated because the 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 market price of USDC is always going to be pegged to the US dollar. Obviously, as the the value of the dollar goes down due to inflation, it's you know it's going to go down. But you know 
if I weigh the options of keeping it in a bank and keeping it in, in, in Nexo or a platform like Celsius, I'm going to opt for the, the better interest. So it, it only makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was getting into the foreign exchange market years ago, you'd be reading about these guys and, you know, they would kill for 10% returns in a year when they're trading. So now you see some of these coins with the passive yields and the staking that you can get incredible returns in a year just by holding money there. I mean, it's insane. Mm-hmm. I'm in a coin now. Now it's not particularly popular, but it's called recharge and you get passive yields. So every time someone makes a transaction, a buy or a sell on this coin, 5% is taken away. That 5% is divvied up to all the bag holders. So every day I'm gaining these coins and I haven't done an actual thing. Um, which, which coin did you say that was? Recharge. Okay. Yeah. So the ticker symbol would be R3FI yeah. on that coin. Um, but passive yields like that, you know, you could never do anything with traditional centralized financing options. I mean, if you go to your bank right now and say, what can I do to get these types of returns? They're going to tell you to go pound sand because they just don't have anything like that that's able to do that. Right now, if you leave your money in a bank, even with a good interest rate, with inflation, you're actually probably losing money. Um, you're not actually making money. Your balance may go up, but your buying power is decreasing. Yeah, not not probably. That's a 100% accurate. Yeah, especially these days. Oh, my uh, gosh, yeah. I mean, yeah, just it used at, to not be like that, and that's the thing. You just have to go, at any point in history, go back 10 years to what the price of a house was 10 years ago versus today. And now, let's say you, you saved the same amount of money in a savings account from 10 years ago to, to, to today, and look how much less that exact same amount of money is worth. Yeah. Um, you know, $1,200 into Bitcoin in 2011, you're a multimillionaire today. Those are the type of returns that you just can't get with anything else. And with the dollar, it was it's the exact opposite. You know, my dad purchased a brand new car in the 60s for like $3,000. Um, you couldn't do anything like that these days. Now, granted, cars have a lot more technology than they did back then, but overall the buying power has decreased substantially for the dollar. The Fed targets a 2% inflation rate per year. You know, This is what they want per year. So every year your buying power, assuming the quantity of money is the same, goes down by 2%. This is why we see prices go up. Um, but for most, for me at least, you know, that's unattractive. I don't, I don't like that idea at all. Mm-hmm. That was the whole reason I started investing was to try to get more returns on my money. You know, the average person goes to work, makes money, spends it, goes to work for some more. And I I wanted to try to escape that routine, start getting my money to work for me. And in my opinion, uh, cryptos can can do that probably better than anything else. I think stocks are still a good option. Um, I would stay away from the foreign exchange market personally. (laughs) But cryptos are, are, are a very good option these days for for that. Now, speaking of buying power, Tyler, is there any current brick-and-mortar operations that are accepting crypto as purchasing power? Is that yes? That's in the market now. Yeah, I mean uh, Tesla's a good example. You could go to Tesla right now and buy a Tesla. Um, you can use Bitcoin to do that, which cool. is a nice thing. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and do you expect to see that continue to uh, become more commonplace? Yes, particularly for Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin, we're going to see more and more businesses using it. 
I mean, now you're probably going to be able to go on Amazon a few months from now and pay with Bitcoin if you can already. Um, some of these other cryptocurrencies, you know, in terms of their adoption, maybe not. Probably not. But Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, uh, XRP, if it ever takes off, you know, if the banks actually accept, accept using it. Yeah, we're, we're going to see these in our everyday lives. Bitcoin, we already are. I mean, I was at an ATM machine the other day. You can pull Bitcoin out or do something with it. But, you know, right there on the machine, they have the symbol of Bitcoin. You know, a year ago, it wasn't there. Yeah, we truly are coming into a new age of investing here. This is a whole nother market. Yeah. Yeah, I will, I will say, you know, the if, if you think back to the, uh, you know, the internet boom, 2000 2001 that area that area you know how many people you can you talk to now they're like man if i only had bought google if i only bought microsoft um there was a ridiculous figure i think it was if you invested five grand in the microsoft ipo um you'd have some obscene amount of money i think it was 200 million it just like like absolutely flabbergasting amount of money um but it's it, at the time it's new. You don't have you know hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um, I think this is the opportunity in crypto for the the folks that you know missed that, you know saw Yahoo saw all these big ones coming up and and just didn't invest right. Um, this is really the the, the new digital revolu- revolution, and I think you know a way to look at um, cryptos in terms of um, you know a follow up of the internet you. The internet changed the way we access information and the trans, you know, the transfer of information. You know, before the internet, you you had to go to a library or have an encyclopedia <laughs> set in your home to get information. Now it's it's all readily available. Cryptos, and this is one of you know Ripple's stated goals, is to be able to move money the way that information is now moved. Um, so I mean, it's 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 the like Tyler mentioned, it's the, it's the way things are going, and you know. This is the time to, to get in while it's speculative and not, you know, really stable. I mean, the, the risk-reward profile is, is definitely to your side. Yeah, so we're bringing it in for a landing here, and that's one of the things I wanted to kind of wrap up with. You, know, you guys have been doing crypto investing for years at this point or, or uh, that type of more um, non-traditional investing. You know, if you could go back a few years and tell yourself some advice, what would that be? Because a lot of... A lot of people listening to this podcast are who you were years ago. You know, they've heard about it. You know, there may be a buddy or two has some, uh, but they're they're not really involved. And now they're trying to say like, oh, maybe this is something I should check out. So what would be the advice that you would give to yourself, you know, way back in the beginning? I'll, I'll start there and just say, <clears throat> because of the many mistakes I made day trading and, and freaking out and seeing the market go way down. Number one, don't sell your crypto at a loss. Uh, if it's if it's going down, just hold on. I mean, there are very few coins I can think of since I've been trading in 2017 that didn't end up going back up. There are a few cases, um, but you're talking really small altcoins that most people won't even have heard of. But by and large, I mean, even, even Doge as many times as it's reached an all-time high and starts falling, a lot of people panic because of the type of coin this is, and they sell. And then we just watch it go right back up and then reach another all-time high. 
So the one piece of advice I would give myself back in the day is these weird fake currencies you're going to be investing in in a few years. When when one goes down, don't uh, don't sell it. Just wait. It's probably going to go back up. And that's probably the best advice I could give personally. Yeah, when uh, you know, when in doubt, zoom out, right? If you look at if you look at the macro trend of of crypto since you know, 2011, 2012, it's it's going up, right? You get you get your uh, pretty wicked bull markets, you get your pretty wicked bear markets, but overall, it's it's going up. You know, I I would say my advice is, um, you know, if I had to do it over again, I don't think I, I don't think I would really do any trading. If I look back at the the assets that I held and traded out of, um, you know, you you, <laughs> you kind of go back and you, you you can't even look at it. Like if you write it down on paper and try to calculate what the returns are now and the things you did hold and then sold, you know, nauseous v, real quick. V chain's an example. You know, you buy it at three tenths of a, a cent and now it's twenty cents. Um, you know. But, um, you know, if I had to do it over again, I would just buy and hold, you know, buy what I, you know, every, every week or, or month invest in, you know, pick five cryptos that, that, you know, have solid use cases and then just invest in those, you know, steadily dollar cost average, right? Uh, that just means if, if the price is going up, um, you know, you're, you're buying high, uh, but on the average, you know, you're, you're put, you're not trying to time the market, right? If you try to time the market in crypto, you're going to get pretty pretty wrecked yeah you'll get cleaned out yeah. um i think that's you know buy and hold just good strategy tyler i would uh have to agree buy and hold is definitely uh seems to be more successful i think that's one thing i would have changed you know there were some coins that i held hundreds of thousands of coins which is worth millions that i don't have anymore and a lot of that had to do with trading uh the other thing is i probably would have diversified a bit more so you know don't keep all your eggs in one basket try to spread them out a little bit you know it takes some of that pain away and lets you uh get access to some of the broader fields you know you don't have to go 100 percent into bitcoin you could throw 10 percent into there you know another 10 percent into something else and and just keep doing that to diversify your assets some so you're not as exposed to just one coin so that's probably something i would have changed a little bit as well you know, back in 2016, that was when we first seen the, the real big jump on crypto was back then. Now, an, another thing that I wanted to ask you guys is for resources. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I, I hear I hear what y'all saying, and I think this is something that I'd like to jump into. Where do I go? Where's like a, a good solid resource library to learn about good practices where do I find out if a coin has a finite amount or, you know, a high capitalization? Where do I learn these things? Is, is there like a, a good place that is, you know, well recognized and established for information? Or is this, you just got to do diversity of information? Eric had mentioned earlier, coinmarketcap.com. You also got CoinGecko. But ultimately, the internet is going to be your best friend. You know, 30 years ago, we, have access, or, uh, we didn't have access to information like we did today. Pretty much anything is at your fingertips. And also uh, misinformation. So as as well, yes, but when it comes to to wanting to find that, you can pretty much find it online within a matter of minutes if you're if you're if you want to dive into what is a cryptocurrency, you know, the theory behind it, etc. You know, that's Google that and you will find those answers on there. Um, you can go to the individual web pages of the currency you're looking at. You know, XRP has a has a web page. Um, Bitcoin, stuff like that. 
gives you the white paper, tells you its uses and desired uh, future goals for it, stuff like that. So it does take some research. I mean, would anybody tell you to buy a stock just willy-nilly without doing any research? Um, generally not, and same with cryptos. Yeah, I've, um, YouTube has been a, a very good resource of mine. Um, you know, again, it's you know, it's kind of like like us talking about it. A lot of those guys are like us, but you you know, maybe know a, a lot more. Um, but they, you know, none of them are financial advisors, but they've they've done research, um, and they present that to you about different coins. Um, you know, so you don't have to do all the legwork. You can kind of watch them. But there's a myriad of different YouTubers out there. Uh, some that that chill. You know, a coin or two different coins and some that are kind of like, hey, here's here's the opportunities that are coming up this year that we see based on the charts, based on, you know, adoption, partnerships. Um, so definitely, definitely YouTube. Yeah, and even even the ones that shill, as they call it, or overly promote a certain coin based on the fact that they're heavily invested in that coin, that doesn't necessarily make them somebody you shouldn't listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some good really good YouTubers yep. out there who do shill a certain coin, but because they really truly believe in that coin and they have a lot of their own money invested to prove that they really believe in that coin. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. Cause I, I have a, a couple that I, I watch that are particularly XRP ripple related. Um, but I watch those because those guys stay abreast of all the new information coming out of ripple, coming out of the lawsuit, coming out of partnerships that they have uh, across the world. Um, so that gives you a really good idea of, of what they're doing and how they're doing it. Who's your Who's your favorite? Who would you say if there was one person, um, if I wanted to get on and learn about XRP, what what YouTuber would I watch? XRP specifically? Yep. Uh, I would say Kevin Cage. K A G E. I think it's yeah yeah Kevin C A G E. Yeah, yeah he's 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 pretty he's pretty good and he's a uh, the the information that he procures from uh, the XRP army on Twitter and kind of does correlation to past events and you know what's going on just fantastic information anybody you would recommend specifically tyler not particularly but you know don't be afraid to copy just make sure you're copying the best you know if warren buffett shield mcdonald's tomorrow i'd probably go buy mcdonald's so that, that's the bottom line okay um, make sure that who you're listening to you trust uh, has some sort of reputable background stuff like that I'm but a fan of Sheldon Evans myself. I, I know you mentioned him before. Yeah, he's he's a r- really smart crypto investor, and he does not really harp particularly on one coin too much. There are a few that he comes back to over and over, but if you watch those coins, there's good reason for it. Um, and he he just really really knows the crypto world inside and out. Yeah, I'm gonna add one more to the XRP um, YouTuber list. Kevin Cage is really a uh, speculation, um, not not so much technical analysis, but he kind of puts the news together. Um, there's a guy named Blockchain Backer um, who does a fantastic job of technical analysis. Um, uh, he's a good one to watch for, for XRP as well. Did you guys want to go over the acronyms? There are a few uh, there are a few acronyms used in the crypto world that could be pretty confusing to somebody just getting in. We talked about one of them, which was FUD, fear, yeah. uncertainty, doubt. Whenever you see that one in the in Twitter and Reddit and stuff like that, mm-hmm. FOMO is another one. Fear of missing out. Fear yeah. of missing out, which is I mean, uh, with this stuff, there's a psych- psychological aspect to it. You know, we are married to our money, and no one wants to lose it. You know, we all want to make it, but uh, 
you do have to try to keep your emotions out of it as much as possible. You're going to make bad decisions. Yeah, so FOMO is emotionally invested. FOMO is typically one that will happen as a result of a lot of hype, and it, it's when you'll just buy in because you don't want to miss out on a big gain, which is probably going to happen over the course of this week with Doge being that Elon's going to be on Saturday Night Live. Um, FUD, on the other hand, is somebody kind of spreading doubt about certain coin, and it makes people sell out of that coin when they right more times than not they probably shouldn't have and you see yourself miss some gains right you guys think of any other ones well if you ever well if you ever see uh hodl h-o-d-l that's like uh somebody spelled hold wrong back in the day and it just kind of caught on but that's basically the we uh, always call it hold hold on on for for dear dear life life. (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly yeah it's yeah it's the uh don't sell when when it goes down by five or ten percent, you know, stay yeah. And these are there's some great memes on the internet with all of these uh, acronyms, and, and I'm sure there are plenty more we're not thinking of. Eric, you had mentioned one earlier by its full name, but do your own research. You'll see D Y O R yep. quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. And that that's the critical thing because you know everybody's different. Everybody's a little bit different. The amount of risk you want to take, how comfortable you are at risk. Um, what looks attractive to you, what doesn't, you know, what might look good to me, might not look good to you. you know, ultimately, you have to decide for yourself. Um, whether or not that's, you know, taking recommendations from a YouTuber or something like that, it's fine. But you're the guy who's got to make that decision. you got to pull that trigger. And then you have to be okay with that decision. You know, be comfortable with your risk. And what I've said for a long time, you know, play with your um, FU money is what I like to call it. You know, money that if you did lose it all, it's not going to put you in a tough spot. You can still pay your mortgage, still pay your pay your bills, um, but do not throw all your bet all your eggs in a basket. You know you you will be hurting. You could. Awesome, good stuff nice. today, gentlemen. Uh, really appreciate you being with us. Want to give you the opportunity for any closing thoughts that you have as we uh, wrap up our time today. Yeah, I would say for just a closing thought would be you know, um, don't let yourself be that guy. That's that's regretting buying Google in two thousand, right? Like this this is this is the way money's headed. This is the way, you know, our, our economy is gonna be driven in the future. Um, so seize the opportunity now for sure. Yes. And hey, most of us in the in the uh like tech world, the the uh service tech world, I mean, we could have I could have known about um Google in, you know, nineteen ninety eight and I didn't have access to like buying stuff. I didn't know what any of that meant. I mean, I was in my truck in 1998, but I was not in any position to have done this. Mm-hmm. You and we are in a position to do this. It, it will mm-hmm. take you minutes to, and I'll just start with Robinhood because it's fast and easy to go online or just download a Robinhood app, open up an account. You do have to give your social security number and that kind of thing. Cause they will send you a tax form. Um, and just open an account and take $10 or $100 or whatever you're comfortable with and start start playing with it. Just start getting to know it a little bit. And Robinhood, you don't have to just do cryptocurrencies, and they don't have very many that you can trade, but you can also do stocks. But in, at this, this time of day, I would say you're much better off jumping into cryptocurrencies than stocks because stocks are, I mean, Nate has plenty of both, and, I'm guessing right now he's happier with his cryptos than his stocks. A lot of red on the stock market. Yeah. A lot of red. A lot and, of green and, on the and other bottom side. bottom line is, you know, opportunities like this only come a handful of times in your life. When I first started back in 
middle of 2016 when I started looking at cryptos, you know, I looked at it almost like the dot-com bubble. The dot-com bubble, we hear about, you know, all the bad things with that, but what they don't tell you is all the people that made a killing off the dot-com bubble, because a lot of people did. Um, but certain opportunities are only here, you know, once in a lifetime, and this is one of them, is to get in when it's still, I wouldn't say it's in its infancy anymore, but it's still really early, incredibly early. It's like a toddler. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't doubt if 15, 20 years from now, you know, we're not even going to know what life is like without blockchain and digital currencies. It's going to be so normal that, you know, our kids are going to be like, you mean to tell me you could have paper money? You know you know what I mean? It's just not going to seem real. I, I guarantee it's probably going to be like that in 15, 20 years. I feel like I'll have been here from the beginning and I still won't understand it. <laughs> Still holding Doge. <laughs> Hopefully not true. <laughs> hey, really good stuff today, gentlemen. Thank you so much, both of you, for being on. It's thank been you. a privilege. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we can't let you go. We'd like to have a little bit of fun with our guests at the end of each podcast with some random questions for you. Okay. Uh, so let's start off with uh, describing the worst job that you've ever had. Tyler, that better not be here. Oh. <laughs> the worst actual job I've ever had? Yeah, it's something that you received money for. So I grew up on a farm, and my dad actually paid me to work on the farm. It was a dairy farm. Um, although I'm glad that I did it, you know, taught you how to work, gave you a work ethic. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> so you could not pay me enough money to work on a farm. One Bitcoin. I'll go work on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what about you? Uh, um, the Marine Corps sucked pretty bad. Um that was that was a lot of hard work. I would say you know a lot of good came out of it. I'd say the the most difficult thing or the the, the suckiest work I, I had to do there was uh we had uh I worked in the you know networking and running tactical fiber and we had a one kilometer reel of fiber um, that was tangled in a a, a ball and I spent uh two days in, oh the, in the in the hot Japan sun un, unraveling that thing. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's what they do to the Taliban to torture them now. Um, it was it was terrible. But that was that, that's probably the top. I'm pretty sure I lost my mind there for a while. Eric uh, Eric is the uh, was awarded the prestigious um, distinguished marksman award in the Marine Corps. That's awesome. Eric's a very nice freaking sniper. Ironically, that happened right after that untangling issue. <laughs> <laughs> Had to find an outlet. Yeah. Made sure he wasn't always untangling anything again. Yeah. One of my uh, one of my kids at one point was having. I don't know if it was a nightmare or not, but she just woke up, freaked out, swearing that somebody was was. Uh, she's on the second floor, but was on the first floor right outside my bedroom, which is beneath her. Um, and I told her. I got to tell her not to worry after we, you know, canvassed the house and had half the neighborhood out there with dogs and, and pistols. <laughs> I told her we, she didn't have to worry because we have a Marine sniper living across the street from us. <laughs> we can take them out from anywhere. Don't put that pressure on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what was your favorite trap in Home Alone? Wow. Good question, Nate. That's a good one. Let's give him, yeah, let's give him a little. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so we have a live studio audience for this one. Actually, been keeping them quiet up until this point. My mine is definitely, I believe it's Home Loan Two with the bar, where they they uh, paint can one comes down. Oh yeah, paint can the two comes pipe. Da- paint paint can two comes down, 
and uh, they're both looking at each other like, we got this. <laughs> and then they get the bar, and not only do they go down the stairs, they go down through like two stories of open floor down to the basement floor. <laughs> that was uh, that was probably the the best for me. Yeah, I was thinking of the the one where he plays that movie. He's got the BB gun. Yeah. Oh, that's that's probably my favorite. <laughs> Angels with filthy souls, I believe, was the, yeah. the movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that was probably my favorite one. All right. Would you rather talk like Yoda or breathe like Darth Vader? I think I breathe like Darth Vader at night. <laughs> that's what Amelia says. Got me to get a CPAP machine. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can breathe like Darth Vader a lot easier than I could talk like Yoda. <laughs> I'm gonna go. With, I'd probably talk like Yoda. Yeah, I mean, just more interesting. Yeah, yeah you yeah. sound a lot wiser. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> a lot wiser you would sound. All right, give us an item on your bucket list. I know Eric's. He, he's looking ZR at you to tell one. him what it is. ZR, yeah, ZR one. That's 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 on there. Yeah, 2019 ZR one. Um. still be holding xrp at a hundred dollars a coin yeah 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 I'd, that's that's an interesting one because yeah, I, I don't I'd, i have a lot of things that i uh, want to do I, I don't even call it a bucket list though i don't know yeah the zr we'll go with the zr one i like that i'm yeah. down with that yeah it's a nice one um i'd like to actually make a trip to like the philippines sometime See that part of the part of the world, yeah. I uh, I've only ever been to like Mexico, which uh, was cool, but it was on a cruise, so yeah, we could only. I like, was on that one with you, buddy. Yeah. That was the Bimax uh, Tribrand sponsored right. cruise. That was fun, but we could only like go on the resort there on the ports, right? And uh, I would have probably enjoyed it more if you could went and land a bit more, get a little bit more exploring. If they would have yeah. let you through the fence. Yeah, I did rent a golf cart the one time and drove around pretty far, and uh, it's just not a real nice place. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's back not, to the not beach. What I was expecting. Yeah. All right, last one for you, gentlemen. Uh, if you could sit down with anyone and have a thirty-minute conversation, who are you calling? Probably Elon Musk. That'd be a good one. You would finally yeah. buy some Dogecoin. <laughs> I might. Yeah. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say Elon as well. Just, I, I think um, the the amount of productivity that comes out of that guy, just, to, I mean, just to pick his brain on how how he works his time to be able to run that many companies effectively and still have time um, to develop a, a flamethrower, right? Like this guy <laughs> is is sending rockets to the moon. He's boring tunnels for travel underneath L.A. Um, Tesla, solar panels, uh, and he's like, oh, man, I'm kind of bored. I'm going to make a flamethrower. Like, yeah. it just, to pick that, like, I have trouble, you know, you know, I plan out a year worth of work for, our, you know, network and telecom team. Trying to prioritize that can be like a, uh, a head spinner sometimes. So it's like, got to get some pointers from this guy. You know? <laughs> I'm sure being a billionaire helps, but I've always wondered, how do you maintain your sanity running right. a schedule like that? I mean, I don't even know what the guy's calendar looks like, but it's got to be packed. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Hey, thanks so much for being on with us today. Really good stuff. And that wraps it up for this podcast as far as our investing series. Before we before we sign off, um, 
Eric and Tyler and I are in a in a crypto trading group chat, and the other three guys in that chat are uh, um, wishing they could be here as well. So shout outs to Steve Orpnick, Kevin Burton, and Scott Fisher. Right, so that wraps it up for this podcast, and we hope you've enjoyed this series on investing. Again, this isn't designed to be financial advice for you specifically, but just an idea of what you can be doing. Nobody wants to be living to work. We want to be working to live, and so this is just another way of talking about passive income, about other means of uh, creating opportunities for yourself, and maybe even an exit strategy from the regular nine to five. So uh, just keep that in mind. And until then, we continue to challenge you to uh, make a better you, to get out there, do your own research, find out better ways of investing your money, find out more ways of saving your money, find out better ways of of spending your money, hopefully. And uh, we really appreciate having on some experts here to give us guidance on that. For each of you that are out there putting in the daily grind, we appreciate you. We want to challenge you to do better and to wake up every single morning and choose to waste no day. podcast is a production of the South Central Pennsylvania branch of One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric.